I'm Curtis Schaefer. And I'm Martine Halverson-Taylor. And this is Sacred and Profane. On our last episode, we heard from Jessie Meadowkeen, who brought the story of Santa Muerte and one of her devotees. Today, we're bringing you another documentary by a University of Virginia student as part of our ongoing series, Field Notes. Like Jesse's reporting, this piece relies on first-person interviews. Jason Evans went to Philadelphia to report on how Black Lives Matter members both draw on their faith and reject some traditions of the Black Church. We'll let Jason take it from here. My cousin died. Um, We're actually coming up on his uh, seven-year anniversary, August 23rd. Um, I'm sorry. Still a little emotional, 2012. This is Shakira King. And he was killed by the Philadelphia Police Department. Shakira is a Philadelphia-based activist and educator. And I was really angry and didn't know what to do with all the anger I had. I was just kind of going through the motions of grief, and then Mike Brown was killed, and that was my tipping point. So I was in a group chat with some folks that I had met via the internet. People in the group chat told Shakira about plans for protesting the killing of Michael Brown. And they were going to Ferguson, and I wanted to go so bad, but I was still fairly young, and my mother was like, no, you're not going. 2014? Yes. I really wanted to go. They were organizing bus trips and caravans, and there was actually a bus that left here from Philadelphia with some folks that I now have gotten really close with. And I was like, I'm going. And she's like, no, stay still. And it hurt me to sit still. Shakira didn't go to Ferguson, but she didn't sit still. She joined a Philadelphia-based group of activists who were committed to making a change in their local community. I began to organize with folks on the ground on how to make sure these folks were lifted up who were there on the ground doing the work. And then when they came back, they formed the chapter. And I still wasn't fully ready to be fully engaged in the work, partly because I'm not going to lie. Some folks who may be listening or who may have been wanting to get into activism may also share this right now, but it's intimidating to get into this kind of work when you feel like you're not fully informed. So I took some more time to get really fully informed, and I joined another group called Sankofa Community Empowerment that was led by a friend of mine. And our focus was really on educating people. So every meeting, every week, we took a different subject, and we met, and we broke it down, and we talked about it. And then I met the two folks who were running Black Lives Matter at the time. Black Lives Matter is a movement founded by three Black queer women. Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors, and Opal Tometi. It began in response to the deaths of Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, and Michael Brown, among many others. While political activism is central, so is spiritual wellness for the community. I met them and they were like, come to this healing circle we have uh, because we had had 
Joyce Kwiwe at that point, who was killed by her boyfriend, who was the Temple police officer. And then we had Alison Sterling, who also was killed at that time. And they had a letter writing campaign and they hosted a healing space for us to kind of come together. And they had mental health professionals that we could talk about the grief. But unlike the civil rights movement of the 1960s, which had strong ties to the Black church, the Black Lives Matter movement is not affiliated with any organized religion. They had spiritual practitioners who were there who were willing to pray and cleanse. And there were all these different elements of how the liberation movement is moving forward. Many members of BLM grew up deeply religious, but a lot of millennials no longer identify with the Black church. The founding of the organization was not connected to the Black church. That's religious historian and Black Lives Matter activist Jelaine Schmidt. Millennial African Americans, as with other, you know, of their millennial peers, there's a higher portion of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, that is, folks who do not claim any religious affiliation. So that's kind of a new demographic fact uh, that also plays in here, I think. And then there's been this tension, actually, between some black church leaders, some people who are more vocal about it, you know, and Black Lives Matter. Another source of tension is that the BLM leadership model is vastly different than the centralized, predominantly male and Protestant models of the civil rights era. Black Lives Matter is trying to be, quote unquote, leaderful, kind of more lateral in its uh, arrangement of initiatives and organizational activities. In short, BLM has many leaders, including Black cis women, queer identified and trans people. Many BLM leaders are inspired by the Black women freedom fighters who went largely unrecognized by their male counterparts, including Fannie Lou Hamer, Barbara Jordan, Angela Davis, Barbara Smith, and Ella Baker. Friends, brothers, and sisters in the struggle for human dignity and freedom, I have had about 40 or 50 years of struggle ever since a little boy on the streets of Norfolk called me a nigger. I struck him back, and then I had to learn... Some of these women, like Ella herself, had direct ties with the Black church, while others had no formal religious affiliation. I had to learn that hitting back with my fist one individual was not enough. It takes organization. It takes dedication. It takes the willingness to stand by and do what has to be done when it has to be done. But no matter your affiliation, the movement as a whole was influenced by tactics that came out of the Black church. Tactics like respectability politics. So Harvard historian Evelyn Brooks Higginbotham uh, coined this phrase, the politics of respectability, to speak about kind of the black women's club movement of the early 20th century. You know, kind of lifting as we climb was kind of the mantra. Civil rights leaders saw respectability as a powerful political and moral strategy in their struggle for racial equality. You know, let's wear coat and ties when we go out to protest, you know, wearing our Sunday best perfect diction and locution and, you know, and all all these kind of markers of middle-class status and proper 
manners. And I mean, these were the wives of doctors and dentists and lawyers and funeral home directors and, you know, kind of what there was in terms of middle class uh, status in the black community at that time. And making the case tacitly, well, tacitly, also explicitly, you know, for civic inclusion by having these uh, sorts of markers. Many Black Lives Matter activists find the respectability strategy not only outdated, but also stifling and exclusionary. Respectability means conformity. Conformity in dress, conformity in behavior, and especially conformity in sexuality. Many Black women like Shakira grew up in the church, listening to messages that denounced their sexuality. I attended a very conservative Baptist church here in Philadelphia. It was a my family's church. And, you know, folks had very strict beliefs on what folks' roles were, what women's roles were. I'm a Black queer woman, proudly, and I struggled with my queer identity all of my life because I knew that what I had been taught was that I was going to go to hell and that God no longer loved me because of how and who I loved. As I grew older, I stepped away from the church because of that, because it didn't feel right. Shakira never thought she would return to the Black church. But in the summer of 2017, Shakira was hired by St. Paul's Baptist Church to become a teacher in the church's Freedom School, a literacy program designed to uplift Black and Brown children. St. Paul's is a rarity in the Black church. Despite the fact that most Black churches are comprised of Black women, very few are led by them. St. Paul's Baptist Church was founded in 1890 by two Black women, Frances Fields and Mary Henry Hand. And currently, most of the leaders of the church are women, including the assistant pastor, Sharice Tucker. Black women have been a part of movements. That's not new. From the pulpit, Sharice can see that Black women are leading the fight for Black freedom. I think what is unique in this moment is that we're saying we're doing the work and we're taking the mic. No, we will not write the script and pass it on to you to read in front of the cameras. We got it. We got the mic. That's all right. We good. And it's not to exclude the participation of men or to exclude the participation of others who are also working toward justice, also working toward um, the thriving of Black people and Black communities or other communities that have been marginalized for a host of reasons. But I think what we're seeing is women saying, no more will I bear the load and pass the reward for you to get it. And I think that's why it looks so different. In the struggle for Black freedom, Black women are leading the way and determining for themselves what Black Lives Matter means. Black Lives Matter means... So, Black Lives Matter means... It means that our lives matter. Highlighting Black lives and and the way that uh, 
we've been subjected to dehumanization. That our wellness matters, that our hopes matters, that our thriving matters, that our health matters. Treasuring, promoting the full humanity of Black people. That our survival matters, that our futures matter, that our children matter, that our concerns matter, and that it's mattering means it gets to be taken seriously. It gets to be paid attention to. It gets to be the center of the conversation. It is worthy of resources and strategies and support and room. Black Lives Matter means liberation in community and healing in community. That's our goal. That's it. No more explanation. Special thanks to Shakira King, Reverend Sharice Tucker, Professor Jelaine Schmidt, and Professor Paul Jones. This project was funded by the Religion, Race, and Democracy Lab at the University of Virginia. It was created by Jason Evans. Ashley Defalo is our communications manager. Our senior producer is Emily Gaddick. Kelly Jones is the lab's editor. Special thanks to the Joy Bells for the use of their song, determination. Next week, we'll be returning with a full-length episode of Sacred and Profane. Stay tuned.